Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for your house. Thank you for your people. Thank you for a place where we come and raise our hearts and our hands and our eyes to the heavens, and we seek your favor, Lord. We want to give you our best. We want to live for your glory. We want to hear from you. Thank you for every man in this place. Thank you for every woman. Thank you for every child, oh God, each one in purpose, separated and called by you to fill the earth with your glory. We pray that you give us a heart for God and that we might welcome your word into our hearts, that it would be our meditation day and night, that we would prosper in all things, that we not go astray. We pray that your word would be a good seed in our hearts today, Lord, that it would be a big, uh, bring forth good fruit, a fruit that would glorify you, a harvest that would fill every empty space, Lord. There's so much darkness, deep darkness filling the earth, but there's a city on the hill. There's a place that shines brighter and brighter even until you're coming. We pray that your word might prosper in our hearts and wake us up and bring us to wisdom, Lord. Bring us to purpose. Bring us to significance, oh God. Fill us with the fruit of pleasing and serving you. Prosper your word and let it not return void. And we pray that you would bless every church in Miami and around the world, Father God, that gathers in your name and you're doing a work in the bride of Christ, Lord. So prosper us and align our hearts with heaven. And bring us to the place you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we were, and I was excited about today because uh, I think uh, the word today, uh, I just pray that it's like uh, a, a branding iron and it just burns a mark in your heart. Um, in, this, in this realm, and, and it's not usual, there's not a lot of people doing this, um, the... The spiritual climate in the last days is calm down, everything's going to be okay. You know, things are not as radical as you want them to be. And guess what? Listen, uh, whenever you get around people that are conveniently comfortable, uh, be careful because those are the ones that are not keeping the watch. In fact, when we have the, the, the parable of the ten virgins... And, and they all fall asleep, and there's a panic, and there's a warning, and there's a waking up. And five, 50% of those virgins, uh, they're not going anywhere. They're, they're frantically looking for oil in their lamps. And they run to the ones with oil and says, give me some. And they say, I don't, I don't know what, what's going on. There's no Christian sharing at that point. You know, like, I have enough to barely make it. You better go find your own. Okay, so I, I don't know how to grab these parables. I've been reading them for 35 years. I don't ha know how to put them into context to get Christians uh, to understand its significance. Other than I've always had, like, deep desperation and sorrow for even the thought of not being ready. I don't know if, if that's you. Some people, they read that. I don't know if they think it's allegory. And, and no, I, I, I stress. I could, I could see my blood vessels on my forehead pop, you know, when I think about somebody not being ready when Jesus returns. Because obviously they all wanted to be ready. 
They all wanted to be like despierto. They hear the trumpet sound. Y el, the Cubans say, el corre corre se forma. And so the, where are you going to run? Who are you going to run to? What are you going to run? How are you going to run? What? So, so all these things to say that I, since I, since I first, look, um, I don't know what it was about the church when I was 16 years old and got saved, but they scared the hell out of you. Literally. Just they showed you stuff that at night, instead of having pleasant dreams, you were dreaming, you were left on the rapture. And I was like terrified. I was like, you know, me quedé. Left behind. Long before Kirk Cameron ever worried about being left behind. I was in my bed sweating and waking up and going to check the other rooms and, and traumatized. And so some people might think that that's child abuse. Why are you guys scaring? Let me, let me just tell you here. I'm here for one reason. A little nine-year-old cousin came up to me. I was 16. And I was, I was a bad kid. Bad kid in the sense of I wasn't, I wasn't scared of many things. But that little nine-year-old stuck her little finger in my nose and says, Joaquin, you're going to hell. And that's what caused I, I got scared. And, and so I want to say... I want to say this, thank God for somebody willing to confront me. Because if, if somebody would have said, you're a good kid, you're, you're not that bad, you know, you, you probably go to purgatory. That's where I thought I was going because I was Catholic. But thank God there was, there was a, a, a small, I don't know, I was probably harassing her and that's why she... She busted the move, and, and she, she scared hell literally out of my life. And so I, I was concerned. I said, I don't want to go to hell. And so that day that I was confronted with that word caused me to move in the right direction. And I believe that there's a component about us who are pastors and leaders and teachers that if we lose our edge to warn all men, our, 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 our calling as Christians is not only to go and to preach the gospel and to teach the commandments of God, but it's to warn all men. And, and now I want to focus not on the teaching, because we know that we can teach principles, two plus two is four, um, and that's a teacher teaching us how to do things. And then preaching is inspiring you to be good at what you've been taught. Because a lot of people, almost everybody that's in jail, the only reason they're in jail is not because they didn't know what they were doing was wrong. is that they didn't have anybody motivating to do what's right. So the preaching is a motivation to move in the right direction. The teaching is the direction. And the preaching to move in that direction. Um, so the warning is the part where I feel is super important. What is this thing of warning and how do you do it? Um, Look, I know that there's no parenting without warning. How many say amen? I'm going to kill you. If you don't do what I said and, and they leave it like that, and you're like, what are they going to do? Well, you'll see. Go ahead. And so that's a warning, right? And all parents are expert warners. And you're like, oh, Lord, what, what is going to happen here? So the warning is powerful motivation. How many say Amen. In, in parenting, at least, you, you, I don't know, how often do you warn your children? If I was to ask you, Kenny, how often do you warn your children? Once. One big warning. That has to be a deep warning if it's once, right? Usually, we're warning them all day. 
you're going to continue, you're going to continue. You, you sure you want to, you, uh, and you're warning and warning and warning. And then the, the devastating results of bypassing a warning, what happens? When you did not, so, so I want to go to Colossians 1.28, and that's where Paul says that this is the function of a pastor and a preacher. And I want to be quick today because we, we, we don't have much time. But I want to tell you that part and parcel of our commitment to be Christians is to warn all men. So this, this thing about warning. Uh, Jesus, we preach. You guys know what he uses another word in another translation, but we proclaim. We tell people about Jesus. Not only do we tell people we preach, we proclaim his name, we, we lift up that conversation and point people to move in that direction. The consequences are horrendous for those who don't know Jesus. What, what is the consequence of not having salvation? Eternal damnation. So Jesus is, becomes super relevant to all men. Uh, when I talked to Pastor Medieros, when I first met him, I said, do you want to accept Jesus? He says, no, I'm Catholic. I go, listen, I don't care if you're Catholic, you need Jesus. If you're Buddhist, you need Jesus. If you're Muslim, you need Jesus. I was in Israel, and, and a Muslim told me, no, 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 I'm Muslim. I, I go, you better get Jesus, because he's knocking on the door of your heart. If you don't let him in, when you get to heaven, he's going to ask you why. Do you want to receive Jesus? He says, yeah. And he prayed with me to receive Jesus in Israel. And then we started dancing together. A Muslim. So everybody needs Jesus. Him we proclaim. Please don't take the verse off. I know the picture's nice. Him we proclaim and we warn, warn every man. I want you to circle warn like a hundred times. Warning. Oh, you guys remember Lost in Space? 1960s, way before your time. There was a robot and they would travel. They were lost in space in a spaceship, the Robinson family. And all of a sudden the... The, 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 the robot would freak out, warning, war, warning, warning. You can look it up on YouTube if you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he was always warning the Robinson family when there were aliens around. And he would go berserk and his, the, warning, warning. And, and they're like, holy mackerel, there's problems because this guy's warning us. So we warn every man. I want to ask you a question, you personally. How do you warn people? How do you warn? And guess what? If you're a laid back, easy fella, there's no warning. Because you never see problems. You never see danger. You never see the possibility of there's going to be grave results, consequences. You don't warn about it's going to be a nice day tomorrow. You warn when a hurricane is coming. Hurricane warnings. Why is there hurricane warnings? Because if you're un warned if you're not prepared and you guys know what happens when there's hurricane warnings in south florida the supermarkets are right there were warnings so warning every man i want to highlight that because we we need preachers but if they're not warning they're useless because everybody is acting like there's no problems so warning every man and then he says, teaching every man. So preaching, warning, and teaching. Those three aspects, pretty much you have something coming from heaven that is speaking to your life. 
in all wisdom so that every man is presented mature in Christ. Because there's no greater travesty in the world than an immature man. You could talk to the women who are married to immature men later. It's a curse. So this is what's going on. And then he says in verse 29, to this end I labor. This is, this is what I'm focused on. To this end I work and strive. And, and this is the work which is working mightily in me. I, I, this is my laser focus. I'm going to proclaim Jesus. I'm going to warn men. And I'm going to teach. And so these three elements are super, super important. In our Christianity, without this, in our Christian, uh, our walk in Christ, we are stale and we are lame. And we need to, to brush up on this warning aspect. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, we urge brethren to recognize. You guys, try and, and, and go through your memory bank and, and find out um, who are those that are working. It says, we urge you to be, that word urge is from urgency. Brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord who admonish you. That word admonish is warning. I want to ask a question. This is a serious question. How many here this morning have ever been warned by Pastor Joaquin? Just raise your hand if you've ever heard me tell you something like, be careful. Right? All of you, if you're my sheep, you know that I'm a warner. And I warn you specifically and individually and your address and your email and your phone number. And I will tell you that the devil's about to swallow you because that's my role. My, my role is to warn. And I'll, I'll, I'll speak things that you won't even, what's he talking about? He's in there warning me, and I feel safe. I feel everything's okay. And, but I'll say, be careful. And, and so that's what he says. He says, urgently recognize. Find out who, you, you guys know, we get inspected here every, every year. And the inspector comes, and he checks out every one of those exit lights. And those exit lights have to be here, not when there's no problem. The exit lights have to be there if there's ever, like, fire or something serious or something we have to get out of the building. So these are exit warnings. And they're there to be used for time of trouble. Because if everything's okay, we really ignore them. I, I can't stand the fact that they come out in the, in the live stream, you know. We have exit signs everywhere and they come out. But, but when all hell breaks loose in this place, those are our best friends. Because you don't want to run into a closet. You want to run into the outside door that gets you out of a building that is unsafe. So, so the same thing, those that are giving you warnings, if there's no problems, you're at ease and there's no problem. But to not have a warning is an injustice. How many say amen? amen. For somebody not to say, be careful... I remember one day, watch this, I, I, was, I was in Mexico, and there was some issue with some woman, and she was being crazy, and so we put her outside the church, but she says, Pastor, please, could I sit in my car, the, the windows are open, and I could sit in my car, and I could listen to the preaching, because she wasn't allowed to come inside. So she came to church that day, and she parked her car right outside the window, and I had the seat, and I was sitting there in the front of the altar, and she goes, Pastor, Pastor, and I'm like, what? She goes, look at your feet. And when I looked down, a scorpion was starting to come up my leg. 
and she saved me from being bitten by a scorpion. I said, no more discipline for you. Come back inside. (laughs) You saved my life. So thank God for warnings because they're there right before there's no warning. And then it's too late. So this is why he's saying, recognize those that are working among you that are over you in the Lord who, let's go put it back, 1 Thessalonians 5.12, who admonish you. And if, and if warning you and admonishing you causes you to be upset with the person that's always warning you, you're a fool. You're, what's going on is a disservice. If you go to a mechanic, he's always warning you not to not. Not to not put oil in your car. I can't stand people who lose their cars because they didn't put oil in it. Because way before you didn't put oil in it, there's a little lamp saying oil, oil, oil. (laughs) I'm not going to say it's only the women that this happens to. They see the warning light and they think, ay, que lindo. I have a yellow dashboard now. And it's the little blinking light warning them that their car's about to break. So he says, recognize those that are over you and work with you and admonish you. And so we cannot have, there has been people that have literally told me, I'm not going back to your church. And you ask them why. He's because you guys are always, always warning. You're always. And, and let me tell you something. The warnings come because the losses are devastating. 1 Corinthians, I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.11 says like this, because we know the terror of the Lord, we persuade all men. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, do you have a sense that maybe you're not doing what God wants? Does that produce terror in you? Look, if, if you live with a dad and the dad tells you, this is the way I want things to play out, and you're like, You're not concerned about his persuading you. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Have you ever had your brother or sister tell you mom is coming? And that's like, we're we're telling you, you're about to get in trouble. I'm just warning you. No, don't mess with me. Look, I don't care. I'm just letting you know it's coming. And you're, you're warning them. You're letting them know that they're out of line and they're about to get put in line really quick. And dad is coming. So this is an aspect of the Christian life that a lot of people take, they resent sometimes, they take for granted sometimes, they think we're over. I had one guy says, man, you exaggerate so much. I go, look, I'm not like that mirror on the side of your car that says objects seem larger than they really are, right? That's like a warning that you could dis, forget about the car that you see coming because it's just bigger than it is. No, I don't want to be that type of warning. I don't want to give you a warning that's fake. I don't want to give you a warning that is not consistent with reality because then that is a disservice to you. That's an exaggeration. But I want to give you the warning you deserve. And, and so he says that since we know the terror of the Lord, and, and some, of, some people don't even know that, I'm telling you. Um, I, I would say a majority of the Christians, they want to buddy up to Jesus like you're my, you're my homeboy, right? Those people that, that talk to Jesus, you're, you're my gangster buddy. Jesus is not a gangster. He's not your homeboy. He's the king of glory. He's a majestic, powerful savior, worthy of respect. He's not your hoodlum, Winwood Powell. That's not Jesus. And so he says, because we know the terror of the Lord, we persuade, we convince every man 
to walk in such a way. We know we are well known to God and also trust that we're well known in your conscience. You see that we take God as serious as that scenario. I want to give you the definition to warning. It's a statement that indicates a possible impending danger, a problem, an unpleasant situation. A warning comes when you're about to bite the bullet, when you're about to get hit, when you're about to suffer loss, when you're about to experience pain. Last night, I was warning my daughter. I was giving her words of admonition, warns of warning. I was, I was speaking into her life that she navigate well, that she live life according to God's pleasure. And so those warnings come, and they're an advance notice that serves to spare us from harms, way unnecessary hardship and painful difficulty. There's symbols all over this world, hurricane warnings, tornado warnings. In, in Israel, before the missiles of the, of the foreign, you know, nations that bomb them and send missiles, there's a, and these, the alarm sounds, and everybody hides in their bunker. Why? Missiles are coming. That's a warning. And so I want to ask you a question. Do you have somebody that you honor and respect enough that is able to warn you and you walk within that, that understanding. A, a fool has no appetite for warnings. In, in, in our, since I come from a medical doctor's family, all the subscriptions of all our pain medications have warning labels, warning poison, warning overdose, warning, and, and so all these warnings. And those of you guys who are studying pharmacy and, and, and school, you know the warning labels. The cigarettes that people smoke, it says warning, what's it that say? May cause cancer. And people are like, Pfft. every time I see somebody smoking, I say, what an idiot. What an idiot. So, so there has to be a problem when somebody's telling you, if you do this, you're going to die of cancer. Oh, yeah, I would love, I would love that. Give me, give me a couple packs. Give me a couple. No. They're warning labels, and they're huge. And they're required. You know why they're required? The government says the devastation of the health loss as a result of consuming these things Cancer sticks. It's going to produce cancer. You're going to be breathing out of your throat. You're, 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 going, to be, you're going to be suffering great loss. It's consequences of ignoring these. Um, just uh, the, the, a lot of the fake sugar stuff says causes cancer in rats. You're driving through the streets and there's warning signs. Warning, caution, slippery when wet. Uh, warning, animal crossing. We had a moose almost knocked over our 16-passenger van in, in, uh, in Arizona. A huge animal. This thing was larger than a horse. And it just jumped over our car like if it was like nothing. It was, it was huge. So the warning, flammable. How many have ever had a flammable warnings? You know, things that cause fire. The reason of the warning is there as an advance warning to adverse results. Big consequences when ignored. Those who adhere to warnings live better and they live safer. That's the whole purpose. This is not to harass you. It's not to uh, over, you know, uh, lord over and to take. No. Those who adhere these things will live better and safer lives. And, and it's, it's powerful. Warnings from the Bible. Let's, let's go to what the Bible warns us about. 
What, what are the warnings that we see in the Bible? Forget about that a pastor is telling you or that a Bible teacher is telling you or the church, is teacher, or the church leader. What is God saying? The very first warning I, I, I know, uh, you know, is that there's a devil and he wants to kill me. How many have heard that warning, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where he says that the devil, the adversary, is out to devour you. He says, be sober and vigilant. Be watchful and careful. Those, those are all things that come with warnings. When you're alert, when you know that you got to be safe, that you got to travel carefully. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about seeking like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And, and guess what, guys? He doesn't want to be your buddy he doesn't want to be your pal. He's not into giving you a Band-Aid. He's into chopping your head off. He's, and a lot of people don't believe in the devil. A lot of people don't concern them with the devil. Since my kids were very small, and I know the devil's out to kill them, I would always tell them, always be under the cover of obedience. I teach my children as they were little. Always stay in obedience. If you're in obedience, you're safe. If you're disobedient, the devil seeks to devour you. And so a warning is that the devil is real and he's out to do his work. That, I don't know what devour means to you. It's not friendly to me. It's not something that is, I'm going to enjoy. Hmm, I'm being devoured by Satan. No, it's not going to be pleasant. And so as I see people playing with this, John 10.10 10 says he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy so if you want to be the subject of his devouring, of his stealing, of his killing, of his destroying, the thief comes not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you're into that, my friend, go at it. Let the guy devour you, kill you, destroy you, steal from you. So, but Jesus comes to give life. So the warning is that there's someone out there that doesn't mean to be your friend. And so it doesn't matter in what shape and form he comes in, you're a dead duck. You're a dead duck. There's, not, there's no way to out. Now, the Bible warns us about sin. The other day I was sitting at a table with a family member. He's about 45 years old. He's 45, and he has a 22-year-old son. And, and we said, so how's your son doing? Well, he's doing great. Sometimes he stays at our house, and sometimes he stays at his girlfriend's house. And he smirked, like, like, he goes to bed with his girlfriend, you know? And I said, well, did you tell him he's going to die? And he goes, why are you going to say that about my son? I go, yeah, Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. I hope you're not a father that sees your son sinning and think that death is not coming. Because my Bible says the wages of sin, the results of sin, the payment of sin is death. So are there, is there somebody in your life that's warning you about sin? Because I've seen it happen all the time. People think, well, this type of sin is not going to get me in trouble. And listen to me, all sin brings death. I don't care how you put it. Death is on the rampage to charge and to say, come on, you've walked in the realm of death, of death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So, so instead of not only a warning about Satan, but a warning about sin. And maybe we, we as a, a modern day church don't want to hear about sin because it's so prevalent in our society. We, we could watch a sitcom 
for half hour, and that sitcom will be full of sin from the first joke, and every 36, every time the audience laughs, it laughs about sin. And so it's desensitized us about sin. So we are around sin, we know sin, we're familiar with sin, and we're comfortable there. And we don't know that the devil is whacking and knocking people off because the wages of sin are death. So when I tell my family member, I hope you tell your son that, that he's not going to live long. The death is right after him. Upon sin, the result of sin is death. And we don't know how. Uh, death is, is very, very, um, I was talking to my son yesterday. He says this guy was allergic to methanol. And so he always had a, an EpiPen to to shoot himself when he was around methanol, he goes to the barber, and the barber goes, come on, let's get you ready. And the aftershave had methanol. And he forgot his EpiPen, and he died on the barber's chair. That's how quick. This is, this is how we're gone, fast. That wasn't sin. You know, that was a, a, a mistake. But, but be careful that you don't get around sin and say, I can do this and nothing's going to happen, my friend. You're a target of Satan at any moment. So I, when I told my family member, tell your son he's going to die. And then he got serious. He wasn't smirking no more. It wasn't a joke no more. Having sex with his girlfriend is not a joke no more. And I go, because it would be a travesty to have a dad whose son is about to die and not to tell him. And not to warn him that the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. So we warn every man. Does that make you friendly? Are you gonna <laughs> how to win friends and influence people? You're not gonna be a, the popular guy in town when you're the one that's warning your friends that in one second they're they're gone and the devil has eaten their lunch. So we warn about the devil. We warn about sin. Now, not only do we warn about sin, but the Bible, Proverbs 5, the whole chapter is warning you about sexual sin and about being careful that this woman doesn't eat you for lunch. The wayward woman. Proverbs 5, verse 3 says, she is constantly after you. Her lips of an immoral woman are like honey. They're attractive. Her words are smoother than oil, baby, 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 baby. And you're like, ah. Uh, and you're walking to the beat of baby, baby, and your lunch, my friend. Verse 4, she, her end is bitter. The end of this woman's experience. So this is, I, listen, people, I was terrified of this woman because of the warnings that God had given me throughout my youth. I didn't want to be anywhere around this demon. Verse 23, let's go to verse 5 first. Her feet lead you all the way to hell. You're not going to escape from her. You're going to go to hell right with her. And so people are just dancing to her tune. Verse 23 says, those who lack discipline will die. He shall die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his foolishness, he shall go astray. The person that is trapped by this sexual sin. So the Bible says, a warning. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lust. My God, who would ever heard of that? What a novelty in life that the young people run for their lives. Flee also youthful lust. How come? Hey, man, this smells like caca. 
it feels like caca, it tastes like caca, and they keep on going closer and closer to the thing that the Bible says, run, run. The word flee is take off like a bandit, run, run. So who, who is warning you to run? Several times in my youth, my mom told me, run. And thank God she told me to run. Because it was life and death situations. And I had somebody in my life warning me. And so, praise God for those who hear and adhere to the warning of run. And it tells you where to run to, to faithfulness, to charity, to peace, to all those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart, purity. Purity is the opposite of youthful lust. But that we're not, in our culture, everything is moving with waves, putting you together in the direction of carnal, fleshly pleasure. And so the Bible says run. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. This is the will of God, uh, God, that you walk in sanctification, that you be careful with sexual immorality. Things that are of a sexual intonation, don't get those things in your life. Look for honor. Verse 5, I mean, yeah, verse 5, not in the passion of lust. Don't, don't stir up lust like those who don't know God, the Gentiles. They, you know, every sitcom, everything out there is, is mustering this crap that's producing death and destruction, warning. Repent, turn away from this stuff, walk away from it. In the last days, Matthew 24, 4 is the warning of deception. Jesus said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. Because the climate of the last days is great deception. Those that call themselves Christians are not even close to anything Christian. And so, you know, deception in the last days is going to be great. It's going to be huge. What greater deception is there than a person that calls themselves a Christian and is not? Those that call themselves uh, godly and are not. Those that say they're part of a church and are not. Those that don't know what it is to have a pastor. Those that don't know what it is to read the Bible. Those that still have not been baptized. Today's a perfect day for you to be baptized. Why would you not be baptized? Jesus says those who believe and are baptized are saved. Why Why are you putting that off for another day? Are you insane? Are you smoking? Are you taking cannabis? Are you like crazy? I'll warn you today. If you don't get baptized, you might go to hell. That's, that's how the, you need somebody in your life to push you into those waters and underneath them so that you do the will of God. That you be pressed. Who do you have in your life that's telling you to take it easy? That you're okay, that you don't have to be baptized. Who is that person? Because the opposite, I always like the contrast, the opposite of warning is misinformation. I would have never thought that. The opposite of warning is somebody saying, There's no urgency. Everything's cool. Get comfortable. You don't have to concern yourself. There's no hurricane coming. There's no tornado coming. Your engine's not going to break. You're you're not going to get pregnant. There's no warning. But if there's warning, it's it's matter-of-factly. So the last days will be full of deception. Matthew 24, 4 says, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, verse 5, saying, I am the Christ. And they... It says, verse 5 says, they will deceive many. Could you say with me, many? Many. That means many people are going to be deceived. It's not they might be deceived. The Bible says, and will deceive many. 
Who are going to be deceived? The ones who do not adhere to warning. Because these are just warnings. Matthew 24, 23. Then if a man shall say to you, here is Christ, believe him not. For there shall arise false Christ. Deception will be left and right. And shall show great signs. Verse 25. They shall show great signs and wonders. See, I have told you beforehand. A warning is something that comes before it happens. You're told before the thing happens, so you're, you're, you're aware of it and you adhere to it, and you're a wise person. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. There's going to be even be men of God in the last days that are not really men of God. They're going to be deceiving everybody. Um, Having sex with everybody, lying to everybody. Everything's okay. You could do it whatever you want. And there's no 2 Corinthians 11, 13. Such are false, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. For no marvel, Satan himself transforms himself, verse 14, into an angel of light. Even the devil is able to make... Think, make you think that everything's fine. Warnings about counterfeit Christ. We just read them, but we'll read one more. Luke 21, 8. Take heed that you not be deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. Take heed that you not be deceived. If the Bible tells us a thousand times, be careful that you are not deceived, what is the warning? There's deception. There's, there's trickery in the air. There's a lot of people that are going to end up deceived. Eve was deceived by Satan. Eat this fruit and you will be like God. Warning about finances. How many have ever had a financial warning in the Bible? Luke 12, 15. One of the warnings. Take heed for yourself, for the life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you possess. What's that mean? That your life is worth a lot more money than the things you have. You don't need things to be happy because you are living things that are worth more than money. So we say we never make decisions based on getting more money. Because getting more money might be less happiness. A bigger house might be the destruction. Uh, we had a, a family member that we knew. They bought like a $10 million home. It had so many elevators and rooms, the family would never see each other for days. Man, I haven't seen you in the hallways in the last week because the house was so big. Give thanks to God for the house you have and don't be gossiping or murmuring for the things you don't have. Maybe the biggest blessing you have is that efficiency. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be satisfied with the things you have. Life does not consist with the abundance of the things you possess. Great pain have suffered those who have gone in that direction, the Bible says. There's, there's warnings about finances. There's warning about laziness. This is the warning I received, Proverbs 6, 9. You sluggard, you lazy fool. How will you get up from that bed? How will you, you know what? We were so lazy. This is true. This is a true story. We were so lazy in high school that we said we're going to go get jobs at a mattress factory. We would test out mattresses. Ah, this one's a good one. We're lazy. And the Bible says and warned me, you lazy man, verse 10, don't you know that your laziness will lead you to poverty? 
a little sleep, a little slumber, and you will be poor. So your poverty shall come upon you like a thief and your need like an armed bandit. Don't be lazy. What is that? A warning. It's pressing on you not to be dragging your feet. Because Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, He who is lazy becomes poor. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. Uh, I tell my nieces all the time, don't look at a lazy man. Don't look at a lazy man. You're going to eat roaches. There's not going to be food on the table. Why, pastor? Don't say that. Yes. Because the Bible says the hand of the diligent prospers and make one rich. And so the warning is, be careful with a lazy man. Make sure that he's productive. Make sure that he's working. There's a warning in the Bible, 1 Timothy 1.19, to not go astray. How many have ever been warned, be careful because you're going to lose your way in Christ? If you haven't been warned that you're going to leave Christ, you're like, no, once saved, always saved. I believe in, I'm Calvinist. Look, my friend, the Bible says that be careful you not go shipwrecked in the faith. Be careful about going astray. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit says expressly in the last days that some shall depart from the faith. What's it mean, depart from the faith? They were in the faith. So they departed from the faith. Well, how did they depart? I don't know how they departed, but they gave heed to false spirits, and they started listening to doctrine of demons. They left the faith. Be careful you don't leave the faith. If this was a Christian church, I'd have one amen. But that's fine. We're working on it. Verse 2 says, they teach with hypocrisy and with lies. And they have seared their conscience. They no longer have feelings. A warning comes to a good conscience. But if there's not a good conscience, the warning comes and it has no effect. Careful, you're going to get burned. How many ever told your kids, don't touch that, you're going to get burned. And they go and they touch it. Right? As soon as you, don't touch it, it's hot, and they touch it. Ow! And you warned them, but they touched it anyways. They they weren't receptive to the warning. Hebrews 6.4, it says it's impossible, those that knew Jesus, once they go astray, to come back. It's impossible to restore those to repentance, those who have once been enlightened. Once been what? Enlightened. It's impossible to have them come back. Verse 5. For once they've tasted the good word of God, they've already tasted it, and they knew the power of salvation, those powers of the Holy Spirit, the age to come. Verse 6, if they go back, if they fall away, say it with me, fall away. What's that mean? That they were in the way and they fell away. To renew them again, to repentance, since they want to crucify Christ again. And put him to open shame, and it's not going to happen. Verse 7 says once it's already been done, it's not going to be done twice. Super powerful. The warning about religious people. How many have, have to be careful about religious people? Philippians 3.2, look out for the dogs, for the Judaizers, for those that pretend to be what they're not. Matthew 23.3 says these don't be like the Pharisees. Do what they say, but don't do what they do. Verse 13 to verse 29, woe to the make-believers, woe to the religious, woe to those who pretend, woe to those who do, and woe, woe, woe. There's like eight woes here. 
to these scribes and Pharisees, a bunch of hypocrites. Romans 15, 14 says, brethren, I, after today, am at rest because I know that you guys will admonish one another. What's that mean? We're going to start warning each other. How many say amen? amen. We're going to be of those that are going to warn. And, and a lot of people say, well, you guys are always, listen, I'd rather be safe then. Sorry. Sorry. I'd rather somebody tell me, go check your tires. Go change your oil. Go fix your headlight. Then then to have all the issues that come as a result of not doing that. So the contrast, misinformation. And finally, the last warning the Bible gives us is to be ready at Christ's return. Are you ready? 1 Thessalonians 5.4 says, people will be saying, misinformation, peace and security. Don't worry. You're not dark. You're not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief. We are in the light. They're warning us Jesus is about to return. What should we be doing? Being more faithful to the Lord. Why? Because he will come back, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. We don't want you to be ignorant concerning those that have fallen asleep. For we believe that Jesus died. He rose again, verse 14. Even so, God will bring with him those who are asleep, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until his coming will by no means precede those who are asleep. Verse 16, for those, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and a voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we, say we, who are alive and we remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet Jesus. In the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Guys, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you're going. I want you to be ready when Jesus returns. I want to take God serious. I want to receive everything God wants to warn me about in every direction. I'll be safe. Life will be better. I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I told my daughter last night, you're going to have a great life. Your life is going to be amazing. But be careful that you not prematurely walk in seasons that are not the time for. Because the Bible says you'll hate life. And you'll consider it horrible. Let's stand today. Father, thank you for this day that you've made. Thank you for Spring of Life Fellowship. Thank you for a place of honest and earnest warning. Where we adhere to your voice, Holy Spirit. We adhere to the word of God. We adhere to those who admonish us and are constantly calling us out and calling us up and calling us on, we pray that you give us a heart to be that wise people, to walk in your favor, that we might have a testimony that we have adhered, we have heard, we walk in the fear of God to receive the warning of God through the spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray in the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. God bless you.